Thank you for downloading this podcast from Pardes, North America. This episode of the Pardes Parsha podcast features Rabbis Alex Israel and Svi Hirschfeld on Parshat Bereshit. For the latest episode of the Parsha podcast, please visit elmod.pardes.org. And now, Rabbis Alex Israel and Svi Hirschfeld. Shalom. Welcome to the Pardes Parsha podcast. My name is Alex Israel. And uh, my name is Svi Hirschfeld. It says so right in front of me. <laughs> and we are delighted to be here with you, starting the Torah anew, uh, a new cycle of Torah, new ideas. Oh, I mean, we can't just repeat all the stuff we said in the last cycle. We have to come up with new material. Well, you know, we are different people than we were last year. Wow, that is a wonderful answer. Rabbi Israel, that is a beautiful answer. You know, Parsha Bereshit, uh, we have the creation of a new world, and it begins with such hope. It starts off with every day, God says, Vayar Elohim Kitov, God saw it was a good world. It's a world of tremendous promise. And we read through just six, short, five short chapters, and we get to chapter six, and God decides to destroy the world. And in fact, instead of using the word tov over and over, like tov comes up seven times in the first chapter, it says, Vayar Hashem ki ra'at adam God saw that great was the evil of man in the world. The word ra, all his thoughts were solely evil, ra, all day long. And that's when God regrets that he makes man, it saddens him greatly, but decides to destroy the world. In this sense, Parashat Bereshit, sorry to be a bit of a downer here, but Parashat Bereshit is, is a very tragic story. It begins with such hope and promise, and it ends with a very crushing sense that all the Tov has become Ra, um, and that the world has declined to a sense of decay, that it is irreparable. Well, there's this sense. I mean, I, I like what you pointed out. It's very powerful. The, the tree itself in the center of the garden is the tree of Tov and Ra. Oh, I hadn't the, thought the, of that. The, the Tov and Ra are at the center of uh, quite literally this whole story that's going on. Uh, and you're right. The tragedy that we begin with all this Tov and we finish with all of this Ra raises some very profound questions. So we've decided that we're going to talk this week, and we're going to talk in this podcast about maybe something which, you know, is a little a little secret, a little dark, dirty secret. It's a trigger warning you're giving the audience right there now. There you go. And it is, we're going to talk about this podcast is going to be dedicated to sin. <gasps> There's a gasping. I can hear it all over Jerusalem right now. I remember a Pet Shop Boys song from the 90s. Huh. <laughs> it's, it's a your sin. Old it's a sin. Uh, and it's a tough word, right? It's not a word that you hear, especially in English, that people throw about very often. Right. We don't use the word sin. We don't say, you know, I didn't do my tax return. I've committed a sin. Yeah. Or I ate the extra donut or even the first donut. In my case, I committed a sin. Yeah. We, we say we make mistakes. I made an error. Um, I messed up. So... Rupzvi, tell me, what, what are you thinking about in terms of the dynamics and the psychology of sin? Wow. We've got a rich set of stories here. We've got the story of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. We've got the first murder. Yeah, you know, it's uh, unfortunately I'm the voice of experience on this one in terms of sinning. But uh, 
it, it raises that powerful question of where does failure come from or sin come from? Uh, and what's striking to me in the story, especially the first episode with Chava, what's striking to me is how it's not a problem of a lack of knowledge, right? There's a striking interaction here with, with the, the snake. Can, where, you, can, you, can you back up? Just give us yeah. a bit of background to the story. Yes, background of the story is uh, Adam and Chava are now a, a couple. They're together. Uh, and now she is uh, presumably exploring the garden. And then the snake enters the story. And what the snake is doing there and are we set up for failure is a fascinating question. But I want to focus more on Chava for a moment. Because Chava encounters the snake. And the snake says, so I'm told you can't eat anything here. And she's, no, 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 no. God was very clear. We can eat everything except for this one tree. If we eat from that tree, we'll die. At that moment, the snake says, no, 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 you won't die. That's not what's going to happen if you eat from the tree. The opposite, you're going to have all this knowledge and you'll, you'll become like God. At that moment. No, it's, re it's really interesting because she could have said, yeah, we can eat anything. Like, I'll take a peach from there. I'll take a pomegranate from there. Well, he's sort of, it seems that he's directing her, of course, to the thing that she can't have. Right. Right? But what's striking to me, which is brilliant on his end, right? The desire for what we can't have already from the very beginning is so powerful. We're going to come back to the issue of desire in a moment. But what's striking here is, in her actions, she chooses to think that the snake is right and not God. God is wrong, the snake is right. And that moment for me is the most striking element of the whole thing. Why does she listen to the snake? And the Torah tells us, I think gives us an insight into what's going on. Why does she listen to the snake? Because the Torah tells us, there's your word tov again, but in a very ironic yes. usage, right? The, the tree was good to eat. And it was a ta'ava le'enayim, a desire for the eyes. And nechmad lahaskil. It was pleasant to conceptualize about or think about. That's, that would be my translation. And uh, do you want to say a moment about the use of the word tov there compared to the, the, your thoughts of tov at the beginning? Um, I'm not sure what to say about that word, the, the idea that tov it is the eitz hadat tovara, right? It is the eitz, which, the tree which is of good and evil. But I, I definitely see this as an exercise in psychology. I mean, you can... If somebody tells you you can't do something, you always want to do it. Yeah. Right? You know, you don't need to be the biggest dufkinik, right? In order to, when somebody points, you know, you can do everything, but not this. And Especially because it says she saw it was good to eat. How could she possibly know it was good to eat by looking at it? Well, it's fascinating because in chapter two, when they describe the Garden of Eden, all the trees are good to eat. They're all pleasant to eat. They're all pleasant to look at. Um... And this is too, but clearly there is an allure of the forbidden. There is an allure of the forbidden. It's a tavai, it's a desire for the eyes, but it really hones in on the question of, of how we fail. And I think the answer is the fact, not, it's not, she, she knew that, that God was right, but that was the long-term ideal sense of self that wants to be the best person one can be. But there's also a short-term self. There's a short-term self that is driven by desire, a desire for pleasure, a desire for power, a desire to relieve ourselves of anxiety. You name it. The short-term desire is so powerful, it can overwhelm our long-term thinking. 
even to the point where it says, and this is the point I would make, it was nechmad lahaskil. The Ramban says that her emotions affected her intellect, which means ultimately she rationalized. It, ultimately, the desire is so strong, it affects the way we think. That's where the sentence, it's not so bad, or I'll only do this once, or no one's really going to be hurt if they don't know. It's those rationalizations all spring from a profound desire, an inborn desire, a natural desire to express our anger, to overcome, to get rid of the thing that causes us fear, to give us pleasure. And that's at the heart, even when we know that's not who we want to be. You know, I think so that's where we end up. What I find so interesting as you're talking is that the very next line, God comes along and sort of looks for them and they hide and they're ashamed. Um, in other words, it, it's fascinating that when we, and you find yourself not even using the word sin, when we sin, in other words, when we let ourselves down, right? When I, you know, told myself that tonight at 12 o'clock, I wouldn't raid the refrigerator and eat, you know, whatever it is that's there. And I do, right? So immediately we're filled with a sense of remorse and almost certainly in front of other people, maybe even shame. But that didn't stop us. Because in the moment, we don't remember that fact. That's the power of the short-term desire. Look, thank God for the shame. Because if we can hold on to the shame, maybe that will give us willpower the next time. If I can remember how ashamed I felt when I lost my temper and yelled at somebody, which I have done in the past, I confess. Thank God for the shame. Because maybe if I remember that shame in the moment where I feel my stack about to blow, I can tap into that memory and say, hold on. In the, in the next 30 seconds, it's going to feel good to do all that yelling. Two hours from now, you're going to feel terrible. You're going to want to hide. Right. But you were telling me before that there's a whole uh, Chabad Torah, a Torah from the Tanya which talks about this. So the Balatanya basically says, this is the struggle we're in. We have these two souls, a godly soul that wants godly things and what he calls an animal soul, which is not evil, but it is driven by physicality and ego. And those two drives are ever present. And he even says the ego driven drive is quicker. Mm -hmm. It's quicker and in certain ways stronger. So and therefore, they say that animal, our amygdala, Right, certain things. That's so the lizard brain right. is much quicker than the than the frontal cortex, and therefore the discipline involved of teaching ourselves not to give in, because we're all born with it. That's the point. Chava is not evil, but she's born with desire, and as long as we have desire, we're going to face challenge and struggle. And yes, we might even end up, dare I say it, sinning. <laughs> The, the, uh, this is a very famous Rashi, I think, which deals with this, where it says, Vayitzer, and it uses two, um, two, uh, yuds there, Vayitzer, and it says, Shteyitzirot, and according to one of the opinions, it's also that in the very creation of man is the Yitzer Tov, and the Yitzer Hara, there's our two words again, Tov and Ra, that we have that Tov and Ra within us. And it's interesting how, how should I say this? They're eating from the tree, of good and bad, right? In other words, that maybe it's not the tree which gives us the ability to good and bad, but it's the tree which tests the line whether we can control our actions, whether our actions will 
you know, tend towards the good or tend towards the bad. It's the tree that evokes the question of good and bad. Right. Beautiful. You, you know, when you're talking about this struggle, I see this as reflected in the very next chapter, in chapter four. In chapter four is a situation where you have two brothers, Cain and Hevel, uh, Cain and Abel. And uh, there are many, many interpretations of this, but I'm going to adopt an explanation I heard many years ago at Paradise from Professor Uriel Simon, where he says that, in fact, it's not that Cain was any better than Abel or Abel any better than Cain. He says, so why did God accept? You know, we all know that Abel's sacrifice, Hevel's sacrifice is accepted. And it says, Cain, by you Yeah, his face fell. He's embarrassed because his brother got ahead of him. Uriel Simon said the question, he said, I don't understand why, why did God do that? You know, what was wrong? And he said, actually, nothing was wrong. He says, I've got news for you. Life isn't fair. Some people are born rich and some people are born poor. Some people are born, you know, with caring parents and other people are born with abusive parents. Some people are born, you know, gorgeous looking and other people are born, you know, actually with physical, you know, disfigurations. Who knows? Life isn't fair. And now what do you do when life gives you a bad blow? Right. Your brother gets ahead. The other guy, you know, gets the job and you did it. And you're angry. And jealous. Jealous. And God turns around to Cain and he says to him, um, he says to him, almost like a therapist. He says to him, hey, Cain, want to talk about it? You know, you're looking a bit down today. And the fascinating thing is, Cain doesn't answer. Yeah. He's really, and then he says to him, verse seven in chapter four, "Hello, Titiv, right? And that's that word, Tov again. Yep. You've got a choice to, to, to be good. Say, you'll be able to, say means to lift. You'll be able to lift up your face. All you need to do is make the right choice. But if you don't make the right choice, lepetach sin is crouching at the door. And you desire it. Back to desire again. But you can control it. Now, Cain never answers, but we know in the very next verse, what Cain does is he doesn't try to make himself better than his brother. What he does is he's feeling this shame from his brother or this sense of inferiority. And whatever rage or anger or jealousy he's feeling, he said what he simply does is he takes it out on his brother and kills him. And instead of instead of making sure that he gets ahead, you know, I can imagine somebody who's had a really hard upbringing, right? Somebody who's, I don't know, born to their, their, they don't even know who their father was, their mother's a drug addict, they're born without a parent, they're living in the inner city ghetto, and they're angry with the world. So what do they do? Do they go and get themselves an education? Or do they buy themselves a gun? Do they join a gang? <laughs> well, that's in yeah. If you've got the choice to do the hard route, or you can just blow somebody's brains out because you're angry with the world, and you, you are angry. And in a way, you have a right to be angry, that the feeling is natural. Of course, you're angry. And I think, but what you're describing here is fundamentally that uh, God built a world where we are confronted. He, he, he put the choice right in front of us in the very beginning, Tov and Ra. He didn't build a world that didn't have Ra. Like that's, you know, the medievals are always splitting hairs. How could God make Ra? God is all good. And they try to figure out what the source of evil could be. And it's from, you know, but I think... On a simple level, God put it all there. He built a world, as you said, that's unfair. 
He built human beings that don't naturally desire the good, certainly not all the time. He built a world where we have desires for things that are not good for us. And he built that world that way and said, okay, what I am also building in this world is your ability to choose. And you know what's amazing? He, we sort of crash the car. We, we take the world and we crash it. Yeah. We, we crash it and it ends up, God says, like, this is unsalvageable by the end of it. And he has to do a reset. He brings back the waters in next week's Parsha and starts the world again. And yet water. that's going to crash again also. And then ultimately, right, God says, well, I can't destroy the world anymore. We're looking ahead towards next week, right? So there has to be a different solution. Uh, and I like to think looking far ahead, Avram is, is, is plan D for the next solution of trying to solve this problem. How are we going to get people to choose good? Knowing how hard it is to choose good. Not when we're calm. Right now, Alex, I'm convinced you and I are perfect tzaddikim. <laughs> All we want to do is do chesed and learn Torah and be kind and wonderful. The problem is going to be when somebody cuts me off in traffic. Right. At that moment, where is the guy sitting here right now that is forgiving and kind and patient? That's going to be the question. And, and, and the struggle is not to figure out who we want to be. I think most of us know the, the struggle is in those hot moments, in those moments of challenge, in the moments when your face has fallen and your brother has succeeded and you haven't, and you feel that God isn't helping you. God doesn't help him. God just reminds him he has a choice. And you feel rage. You feel rage. And where his parents? He me off. His parents aren't hugging him. Right. He's on his own. It's, it's amazing. In that moment. It's a it's a matchy amazing and parsha bereshit. How much autonomy God gives human beings. You know, I was thinking about it this week as we were reading, reading just this morning. In fact, we were in the same minyan this morning, Vashacharit. Um, God spends the first couple of days of creation naming things. He names the the day, the, the light and the dark. He calls it day and night. He gives things names. But later on, he passes on the power to name things to the human. <laughs> uh, Adam, for example, names all the animals, not God. And Adam, in that regard, the human being is really B'Tselem Elohim. Human being is conti the con continues the creation. God really, he puts the, the world in our responsibility. But we've got these moral choices. And the unfortunate thing is it's not an intellectual choice. We've got this underlay of, of, of really difficult passions, which are desires, desires, which fear very difficult to control. Angers, anxieties, all sorts of things that, that push us in ways that the real work is, is how to how to be your best self in those moments, I think is the big challenge. And as you can see, as, as human beings, it's it's a it, it's very hard thing that God put us into. So do we have any does the parsha give us any like any tips? Does it give us any techniques that we can employ in order to be able to be more successful in all of this? That is a beautiful question. Uh, a couple things come to mind. Number one is that uh, we're not allowed to quit. People get punished, but they're not, they're, they're never free of the struggle, right? Adam and Chava now have to leave Gan Eden, but they got to build a family and keep going somewhere else. Cain, in spite of his crime, he's not killed for his crime. He has to continue on. So I guess the, the the point, I guess there's a certain optimism underlying this whole thing that uh, we're going to get there. We're going to keep trying, keep working at it, uh, and God doesn't give up on us. Mm -hmm. However it happens, God doesn't quit. So therefore, I would say the message is to hold fast to our optimism, 
both as individuals, I really can be better. Uh, and hopefully as humanity, we can, we can reach the, uh, the end point because God has not given up. Wow, that's amazing. The, the Mesha Chachma notes that in chapter one, about every single thing God says, and it was good, apart from human Humans, beings. Right. And he says, because everything else has uh, instincts and animals have a certain pattern of behavior, but human beings have enormous capabilities. We have the most uh, beautiful capabilities of, of giving and goodness. And we have the most horrific abilities of, of evil. Yeah. And, um, and that is, you know, really the, the beautiful side and the grotesque side of civilization, of, of, of the, the human experience. I think the core message of human freedom and our ability to choose good in the face of powerful desires to choose Ra or wickedness, I think that this is our great gift to all of humanity, to not see everything as a given, not to see our circumstances ruled by either the economy or neuroses or other drives that we can't control. And we're inevitably stuck in the situation that we are in, but rather to truly believe in our ability to, to choose goodness at every stage. I can't think of a better uh, note on which to end this podcast. So thank you, Tzvi. Thank you very You've much really for inviting us. And uh, we look As forward did you. And we look forward to uh, you continuing to listen to these podcasts over the upcoming weeks as we travel through the pages of Sefer Breshit. Shabbat Shalom to you all. Thank Shabbat you. Shabbat Shalom, everyone. Thank you again for downloading this podcast, a production of Pardes North America. If you liked what you just heard, please give us a five-star review wherever you download your podcasts. Be sure to follow us on Spotify for the latest episodes of the Pardes Parsha podcast.